0: Join today and get one month for free at 3 tsc So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom, tools, and tactics, and enjoy the show. Today, I'm uh, receiving Jed Marl. I hope I said your name properly to talk about building an outbound sales team from scratch. So Jed, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Doing good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's super great. I've been seeing a lot of your content on LinkedIn. And so I thought, okay, I need to invite this guy over uh, on the show. So it's a show that is sponsored by Tolstoy, which is a video prospecting tool. Uh, and today we're going to talk about, yeah, building this outbound uh, sales team from scratch. I know you've been working at Pendadoc before being head of outbound at uh, Mailshake. So could you tell us a bit more about who uh, who you are and, uh, yeah, what's your background?
1: Yeah, for sure. So quick background um i got into like saas sales i want to say a little over 3 years ago um i right out of high school instead of going to college i went through this program called praxis and it's like a professional development boot camp not necessarily like a tech sales boot camp they pretty much just have a 6 month online boot camp with the goal of placing you at a growing startup whether that's mm-hmm. sales operations marketing and i was trying to get into a marketing position for like 2 months i realized it's really hard to do entry level and uh wasn't able to do it so i ended up saying, okay, let me try this SDR position. I moved from Michigan down to Florida for Panadoc. Um, Did that for the SDR position for about a year, a little over a year. And the outbound team was brand new. Uh, Mm -hmm. Panadoc was going fast. They had a really good inbound engine and they wanted to work on outbound. So I was one of the first SDRs on that outbound team and uh, just tried to soak as much in as I could. And, um, you know, we just tried, tested a bunch of different things. We didn't really have anybody there that, um it was kind of new to the company you know what i mean so kind of figured things out trial and error uh, eventually was able to, to lead that team and we, we grew up from three sdrs to 20 sdrs and two team leads on the outbound side that uh, i was managing right up until i left um and now i'm over at mailshake i've been here for about four months we're a much smaller company mm-hmm. um uh it really aligns with what i already know well which is cold email it's a cold email software um you know i really wanted to come over here uh, a big reason was because of our founder, Sujan, um, and yeah, it's been great so far. Working at a much smaller startup is way different than a you know mm-hmm. eight hundred employee unicorn. Yeah, <laughs> when you're doing outbound, so uh, there's lots of learnings and things we can talk about. But that's kind of a, a quick recap and background on myself.
0: Okay, yeah, nice, nice to to see the the progress from three to twenty uh, SDRs. So, um, can you tell me a bit more about? Um, when you started so you told me you started as an sdr and then you quickly were tasked to actually build the Albound team so how did that go from being an individual contributor to being someone who's leading the team and building it
1: yeah so like i said alpine was branded to the company it was a really important initiative and so um what happened was for the first three months i sucked like i was not good i uh, didn't know what i was doing i was pretty much just trying to dial the hell out of the phone to um, to, uh, to meet my quota and I would miss my quota or be close. And activity was only getting me so far. So I started to be a little bit more intentional. I spent more time trying to understand our ICP, trying to be a little bit, you know, think smarter instead of working harder sort of thing. I mm-hmm. started seeing success. Um, I, uh, I found like a particular niche. It's an e-signature software for perspective. Mm-hmm. I found a particular niche industry that um, that we could sell into and started kind of making a lot of progress there from doing you know, 100% plus, 150, 200% plus my number. Um, And then as a result, just started kind of building repeatable processes, sharing that with the team, um, you know, doing presentations on that. So it kind of naturally evolved. Like once I started um, seeing some repeatable success and I was able to teach other SDRs to do it, um, I just made it very clear that, hey, I want this team lead position once the team's big enough. And, uh, you know, they say closed mouths don't get fed. I just kept speaking up about it Mm -hmm. and uh, eventually got that position. And then, um yeah, it started to kind of take off from there. so it really started with you know, I think being where there being at a company where there was opportunity, and then once I figured that out, uh, I was able to take advantage of that opportunity.
0: okay yeah, I think that's uh, and also that's what's very interesting is is when you are working as an individual contributor, either as an AE or an SDR. Um, and you're documenting what you're doing, you're showing, you know, like, what's my experience with what with that, what are the results, and you start showing some uh, repeatability in there, then you know it's like, it's a playbook you can create, it's a playbook you can market internally or externally, yep. and so that's what you've been doing externally with uh, LinkedIn. I've seen your post for quite a while now, but also internally, and uh, I really like the aspect of asking for more and not saying, hey, you know, you, t- you told it once, but you kept, you know, coming at it, and then you finally got the position so i think that's that's really interesting um outside of the playbook you know and, and you know working on that niche so now that you're also building the outbound team at mailshake what are some key components of an you know like outbound sales team
1: yeah well i have more experience on the sdr side so let me speak to that i'm just now trying to figure out app on AE side which is a whole nother beast um but key components in terms of having a successful sdr on sdr team or building it out or i guess what specifically are you looking for
0: so really just building it out basically you get nothing yeah. what you need to actually have to make sure that the team is actually working
1: yeah so i mean i think it starts with who you hire and you need to hire people that are that understand we don't have it figured out yet so mm-hmm. when i first started hiring sdrs i needed to teach i needed to let them know hey we don't know. We haven't figured it out outbound yet. So I don't want you to come in here and expect to just the playbook's already figured out. All you got to do is plug and play, and then you're going to get promoted to AE in six months to a year. Like you have to make that very clear and understand that the people you hire are excited about the opportunity of building something with you. So I wanted people that are creative, that are hungry, that are motivated. They're not expecting just a uh, everything to kind of vert tall kind of be figured out. So that was the first thing with you know, you know, going into hiring. The next thing is, it's kind of like what you said. It's just document, document, document. What you think is going to work when you hire those first couple SDRs, it's going to evolve. And, you know, it couldn't just be me. I couldn't be the main person who was evolving the playbook because my SDRs now were prospecting more than I was. So it's regular meetings with them trying to figure out what's working, what's not, and then constantly evolving our messaging, um, you know, how, like, who we reach out to, that sort of thing, and just evolving the playbook as a whole. And so, what started to happen is like, I just got the whole team bought into like, let's just figure this out together, almost like we're all team leads, managers, whatever, um, and getting everybody's buy-in. That like creates a lot of motivation and a lot of momentum. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where it starts with the people you hire and then understanding it to keep documenting and evolving that playbook yeah. as you continue to grow.
0: I really like that because it's, uh, you know, when I started my business, I think it was a bit less than four years ago. Um, I thought that, you know, I could come up with processes and just say, okay, this is what works. And this works here. So it should work for you too. And very quickly, you realize it doesn't work. So I think aligning expectations to see, okay, outbound, you know, like building an outbound system is a process. So you're going to
1: mm-hmm.
0: do a V1 that is going to be broken, but more or less work. Then you do a V2 and you just keep evolving and figuring things out as you go. I think is super important. One thing I see is that um, I think outbound is a bit like um warfare technology where basically i always use this comparison it's uh you know like i i I didn't find a better one than that but basically what you've seen in world war ii for example is that you had technology that evolved at a crazy pace because one side had some really good weapon and then the other side built a counter weapon but then the weapon doesn't work anymore and again and you Mm. keep like throwing things at each other and I think it's the same with prospects. So I wish I could find a better metaphor. But basically, we're th- using things that work really well, like, I don't know, LinkedIn voice notes, or do you have 20 seconds to hear my call call, all these kind of things. And then they stop working because they are already adopted by everyone. So you need to try something different. So I think having this expectation that things will work at some point but won't keep working forever is super important. And so having the alignment yeah. here and, and people knowing that you know it's just a process is something really important.
1: I agree. Yeah, it's always evolving. Like, you know, um, people always talk about it uh, like 10, 15 years ago, you could just send a bunch of cold emails and you get like, you know, 30% response because people weren't getting cold emails like that. Now the volume of cold emails is like a hundred X. And so you got to evolve voice notes when they first were a thing. And I remember Morgan Ingram was talking about them all the time. It's like, I feel like everybody's doing them to extent, and They don't have that novelty anymore where it's like, oh, what's this? Same thing with video. I'm not saying video doesn't work. I'm saying uh, you have to get more creative. I remember when I first started using video, um, you know, I could just send a video and, be, and people are like, "Oh, what's this?" But now you have to get more creative because video definitely works, but you have to. Um, when a new channel comes around, I feel like the novelty gets you through, and mm-hmm. then eventually you have to evolve and, and you know become more creative with it.
0: Absolutely, and I think it's it's just like I see all these tools as uh, tools, and you have your toolbox. And the thing you yeah. can do is learn how to use the tools and then learn how to use them together. You have stuff like Vidu, for example, with GIF is working extremely well. So uh, I talked with William on that, you know, and, and GIFs seem to be working extremely, extremely well nowadays. But in maybe six months, something new will pop in and it's going to be something interesting. So I think it's always experimenting and knowing that what works now um, may not work in a few in a few months. So I, th- I think that, that's important. Talking about yeah. chat. Just right now, I'm curious to know what are the main challenges you faced building an outbound sales team.
1: Um, yeah, challenges. There's a lot. So, I mean, the big my biggest challenge when I first was building an outbound sales team was that um, I was brand new to being a manager. Um, I was then I was then managing people that I was previously like, you know, we were just both in the same team before, and now mm-hmm. I'm managing them. So that was like my biggest challenge was like the managerial aspect um, and and kind of that uh, imposter syndrome as well. Like, hey, I had success for by myself for a year. But can I actually teach that to a team? Mm-hmm. And um, I think like what I the biggest challenge I faced is like, oh, I have to be the one to figure everything out. Like, I have to be the one to to be able to teach them everything and take us to the next level. And it wasn't really until I kind of like leaned on my team for that, that, that things started to turn around. And I realized, oh, I can lean on my team for the expertise. Like, I don't have to be the expert. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of have to elevate them and their ideas. Um, that's like on a personal level, like managerial wise. Um, I think one, people, one thing that a lot of people start to run into as they build an outbound team uh, is just the processes and like um, territories when you go from three SDRs to 20. When mm-hmm. we had three SDRs, there wasn't territories. And our total addressable market was huge. You can sell e-signatures all part of pretty much any company. Yeah. So we were just reaching out to whoever the hell we wanted to. Um, when we got to 20, we had to cut things down a little bit. The CRM was messy. We had to divide territories. And that takes a lot of planning. Um, and that's where things got really difficult. It's just the processes that come once you once you scale to 10, 20, because um, you have to come up with rules of engagement um, you know, between outbound and inbound and different outbound reps. You have to make sure the territories are well planned. And skipping these steps and just thinking you can get away with what you got when you had three um, is really going to hold you back. And and the big kind of mistake I sort of made is I did that too late. I created rules of engagement documents too late. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where half of my day was spent trying to, you know, figure out, oh, whose meeting is this or whose account is this? Mm-hmm. And, like you want to get that stuff squared away to your foundation in the beginning because it's going to really hinder your growth later on. So a lot of those technical processes were were things that I ran into later on
0: yeah it's crazy these engagement rules are so important they they sound the at the beginning they sound so irrelevant because you have this huge sea of opportunities and and people you can go after and then as you go and and you grow really fast then people start stepping on each other's toe and then it just you know it's too late where someone booked a meeting with this account and then another one booked a meeting with the same account and but another person or you just like ruin your reputation by going after the same person after and, and you know over and over and over again and so um, it's something I've experienced when I was building the uh, sales team in, in, for France in a company called Applause. We had some, uh, you know, I had the market for myself at the beginning. So I was like, okay, it's great. I got all these opportunities. Yeah. And then as people kept going, I was like, oh, but this is my up, And, and, you know, it just like started becoming really challenging. And what is funny also is that we tend as individual people, we tend to, to see the market as something that is our market. And whenever people are taking away from us, so for example, you focus on all friends, but then you say, OK, there's all the colleagues that are coming, so I'm going to focus on friends, but just telecommunication companies. We expect that we're going to make less money. But what I found is that we made so much more money by having some focus by verticals. Um, because you narrow your ICP, you narrow your messaging, and you get a lot more replies, and you create use case, uh, case studies. And so I found that these rules are super important. They're super annoying to put in place but they could also help actually maximizing revenues with that
1: i love that yeah so you had reps that were aligned to different verticals
0: so yeah we were we're doing you know different verticals different kind of size of companies but we basically were splitting the total total addressable market and it looked to me like I i had less people to contact so it was more focused on quality and in the end it turned out to be to be good
1: yeah, I yeah, I completely agree with that. We started to do that as well at Panadoc and then you just become like almost an industry expert in the SDRs. Know exactly what a telecommunications person is going to think about, care about the words they use and your messaging is so much more relevant. So, yeah, you're right. You just become more efficient, yeah. There's like analysis paralysis. When you can go after any type of company in any geographical area, it's like it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. But when you really narrow it down, it's it can actually be really helpful.
0: You could call that the Tinder effect or the Bumble effect where you have a sea of opportunities and people you can go out with, but people are having so Mm. much of a hard time having a commitment and sticking to someone because they get this sea of opportunities. You know, like I am i was with my grandparents really uh, not not long ago and they asked, you know, a, a friend asked how they met. And so they met like basically the only place where they could meet at the time was in 1950 or something like that where they met and they were like, that's you know one place in the village and by le- luck they found someone and my grandfather was like okay that's gonna be my wife because she's the best I could ever have so <laughs> basically yeah. <that's> <laughs> but on Tinder you're like oh I can always find better and so I think that's uh that's the same with territories if you can stick to something you may be happier and get more out of it
1: yeah yeah that's a really good there's always <laughs> good dating uh parallels like, yeah sales. Sales. I, I haven't heard that one before so yeah so true. Right.
0: Just came up with it on the spot speaking with you. <laughs>
1: that's a LinkedIn so, post, man. That's good. Yeah,
0: that's a <laughs> post. That's gonna be one fun next week. Um, I'm curious to know now about the if I was like um I was tasked to build an outbound team, is there like a playbook, you know, a few points where you're like, okay, these are your first 30 days or 90 days, this is what you have to do. What would be the the kind of steps you are you're taking?
1: yeah so in terms of like first 90 days i think i saw this from like a it was like a, a book by scott lees or a linkedin post or something and this is like the general rule of thumb i've always followed or not always followed because I haven't done this in a million companies but like for mailshake for example the first 30 days i pretty much just spent looking at our inbound data like when you come in and you're building a brand new outbound team and you're trying to go outbound and you don't have data to look at you can't just jump in and say oh i think you know, VPs of marketing of the people we want to go after at telecommunications company. Let's just start blasting them with emails. Like that can't be what you do. Um, what I did first was I, I did a lot of like research into our current customer base, our inbound leads. Those are two things you need. You need to communicate with your your um, your head of marketing as well. And and then I started to kind of build hypotheses around uh, who is our ICP, like who are the people we want to go after. And then before reaching out to them, I just started doing interviews. So i created a bunch of ideas or hypotheses of who i think our icp was so like a, a vp of sales for example you know a marketing person of this type of company i wrote that all down and then i just reached out to people on linkedin and like offered gift card for 15 minutes of their time to interview them mm-hmm. and when i interviewed them i would just ask them questions like how are you struggling with this stuff that relates to my product what tools are you currently using for this what's lacking in the marketplace for you Mm-hmm. And that helped me so much. Like, just I gathered all that data. I had a much more educated guess as to who my my ICP was and how I was going to target them with messaging. So that's what I did for my first thirty days. Sixty days. I think if you're new to the outbound team and you're going to lead it, um, if you're going to hire reps, like I, I, you need to show them that you can do it as well. That's my opinion. I don't think any you should be like a player coach forever. But if I'm going to hire SDRs to book twenty outbound meetings a month, I need to show them I can do that. So from 60 days to 90 days, or for the next month, 30 days to 60 days, I was on the phones, trying to book meetings, testing, messaging with those ICP, um, and then I was documenting all the processes. So I was just documenting, documenting, documenting. and I was figuring out, okay, how am I going to get SDR's accounts as efficiently as possible? What are the sequences going to look like? Um, what are the KPIs I expect from them? And then tweaking and tweaking over those 30 days and documenting it all so it could be prepared in a playbook for the SDR I was going to hire. Mm-hmm. And then 60 to 90 days, that's when I started to hire SDRs. I started to train them, onboard them. And it was a lot of coaching. Yeah. Um, and then again, all I had was a basic playbook that I knew was going to be evolved. But um, it was just a lot of documentation on our ICP or on the workflow for the SDRs. And you need to think about everything when it comes to documenting. So like writing the scripts, coming up with a objection handle document, um, email objection handle document, uh, you know, the tech stack process, how we get accounts, um, just a lot of different documentation was spent during that first 90 days. Well, hopefully that gives some clarity as to what I was doing. Um, just to kind of recap, it's month one, a lot of research around your ICP. Month two, it's testing that messaging and building the playbook. And then month three, it's starting to hire and teach reps that, that playbook.
0: Yeah, I mean, what is great is that the, the last one maybe you can't, but the first two months you can. As an individual contributor, if you're starting as an SDR, you can do the same. Where you go, yep. you do the interviews, then you go and you know you do the outbound, and you test your messaging, and basically you don't need to hire. But that's really something that is uh, uh, that is a good for a good playbook to try by yourself. That's what I really love about being an SDR is that you get to to be the first in the market. You get to try experiment, you know experiment with different things to land meetings. And so I think that that's that's really good. In terms of documentation, uh, what kind of tool do you use to to create this kind of knowledge base and make sure that it's uh, distributed and accessible to to people?
1: I might not be the best person to ask, but I just use good old fashioned Google Docs. so okay. When I left PandaDoc, I had built a, a lot of my own playbooks as well, and so I kind of took those and then used those as a model for Mailshake. So I tweaked them based on Mailshake messaging or based on new Mailshake processes. But then we also upload it all into, I think it's like Notion or something where Mm -hmm. we have this central page for the whole company. Um, But yeah, you got to document everything because your boss wants to see what's going on. And if you can have all this documentation and make sure that, you know, it's just good communication. They're like, okay, I can see everything they're working on. And then for your SDRs, you know, you need to be working on a lot of different things. So instead of them having to ping you, they they can go to the documentation and find whatever it is they're looking for.
0: Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and the, the thing is uh i think i use notion personally i think it's, it's really good but yeah again that's uh, uh building the, the playbook learning how to book meetings is one skill and learning how to do sales enablement and and make sure that things are distributed and everything is another another totally different skill so i think that's yeah, uh, yeah. that's uh, uh it's it's good that you're doing that on on drive because if you were doing everything that would be a, a, bit, a lot of work let's say
1: yeah
0: yeah um i got one last question for you but before i do it everyone who is listening to us if you have questions drop them in the uh, chat box you have here where you said where you were calling from and uh, we'll answer them after this question so my question jed for you is like um what do you wish you you had you had you knew before actually so what do you knew you knew, sorry what do you wish you knew before building an outbound team so if you were to start before again what are a few things you wish you knew
1: the importance of communicating with all the different departments. So like when I started at Panda Doc, for example, I only ever communicated with my SDR team and like my sales team, so that was pretty much it. And uh, even when I started the Mailshake, I could have communicated with cross departmentally a little bit better, um, but that's super important because um, they have different insights into things like product team has a different way of thinking, marketing has a different way of thinking. Um, you want to communicate with all departments because it's going to help you give a full picture of how you're going to go to market, basically. And, um, and it's just important, like just jump on one on ones. Like, what are you working on? How can I help you? How can we be aligned? What are your thoughts on, on how we should go out on? Um, like, that's all important things that, that you need to kind of figure out. And, uh, it, you know, being siloed off with just your department. You're, mm-hmm. you're gonna kind of hear the same things over and over right and and it's good to kind of validate that with other people in other departments um so that that would say i'd say that's the biggest thing for me it's just like communicating okay. with other departments
0: that's yeah. the thing yeah i like that I, i've been in a lot of trouble with the uh, you know the people who were responsible for delivering the deals I, I i closed before and so because i was like yeah priority to business you know let's make money and then i sold so many unsustainable deals but that was not my problem. But so I think communicating and, and putting yourself in other people's shoes is super important. Because people in finance, for example, will have uh, things they're working on that are super important, revenue. Whereas in sales, we're focused on bookings and getting the contracts in. So these are things that can be a bit like conflictual. So I think that the, the cross-department communication is, is really important. So that's a good point. Yeah. Um, we, we have a question here from Mas, Masiej. I hope I said your name properly. Is what's your favorite training subject line that works now?
1: It's hard to say because I feel like any trending subject line stops working as soon as it becomes trending. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. So I don't think of subject lines in terms of like a trending subject line. I think of like trending formats or or ways or like ways of thinking on a subject line. So like always lowercase. For example, all my subject lines are lowercase because I feel Mm -hmm. like it makes it look like it was more written from a human. like, I'll give you an example, I was using lowercase question, one word question for the longest time, but now everybody's using that. And I feel like it's just it's overblown. Mm -hmm. A really good subject line I like to use is, um, let's say you sell to HR people, Uh, make your subject line the name of and you're selling, you sell to HR people and your main persona is like the VP of HR. When you're prospecting the VP of HR, find an HR person on their team who would use your tool and make that as the subject line of your email. And then tie your your email into how that person used the tool. So write your email around how that HR person used the tool and the subject line is their their employee's name. And um and that really gets them to open it because it's like, oh, why is my colleague's name, the subject line, of this email? Yeah. But then you tie it into that. And that's that's always worked really well for me.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And I think, yeah, creating these links between people who use the tool and you know people you want to go after are really, really good. One thing I found that works, I, I saw post yesterday is that um, if you are, you know, sending a sequence, let's say you can work as a team where you, as an SDR, you're going to send two, three emails and the AE will reply to these emails, you know, so that can be like multi-threading from the kind of like, uh, from the prospecting team, let's say, so that can be a, a good one too. But yeah, I like the, uh, the idea here. Uh, another question from Jamie, what tools are working best to convert prospects right now? Email seems to be a very oversaturated at the moment. I mean, at the moment forever, actually, could you give us your yeah. first seconds on the phone call to grab the prospect's attention?
1: Yeah. So two I'll answer the first question first. Um, we're getting most of our meetings from LinkedIn, then email and then phone. Mm-hmm. Um, LinkedIn works really well for us cause we sell to SaaS salespeople. So yeah. of course it's going to work. Like that's, if you can make your, if you can create relevant content for those people, our whole SD- I actually made a newsletter post about this. If you want to check it out, go on my LinkedIn, you'll see it. Um, but like we're creating lots of content around what our product does, which is email deliverability, and then we are like all, we're having lots of call to actions to like book meetings with us to learn more about email deliverability so that like social selling aspect works really well by just having our whole sales team pump out content and then people naturally are more interested in learning about our product. Mm-hmm. Um, Email is very saturated, but I think you have to come with the approach of targeting your emails around buying triggers. Mm -hmm. So not just blasting, but like saying, let me find different buying triggers. Like all these people are hiring, or this is a new person to the company. And then we target my my email around that. That's how we've gotten it to work. My first 15 seconds on the phone, something I've been talking about a lot recently is that a lot of people open with the same openers, whether it's like 27 seconds or, Hey, does the name ring a bell or how are you doing? Um, I like to personalize my openers in the same way you'd personalize the opening seconds of a for the opening line of an email mm-hmm. because every person's getting a million cold calls, so they're going to immediately be turned off when they hear the same opener. So the way I do it is I'll, I'll whatever research I found it or buying trigger I put in that email, that's what I'll personalize my opener. So it might be like, hey, Jamie, um, this is Jed over at Mailshake. Saw so you guys are hiring a few STRs, sent over an email. Not Not sure if the name sounds familiar at all. And and the fact that like I reference that you all are hiring SDRs or reference whatever research I found um makes you interested. You know I'm not just a random cold caller dialing you off a random list. Um and then if they say, Yeah, it sounds familiar, I say, Oh great, like what, what have you heard? Yeah. Maybe they saw my email and I figure out where where they're at. Mm-hmm. If you say no, I say, Great, do you mind if I take thirty seconds to tell you, you know, why I'm reaching out and you can let me know if it's worth the conversation? And then they give you my 30 seconds to pitch. Yeah
0: okay yeah i think you know like uh, what what i found is uh one thing is is for calling that that i think works well is that understanding that people when they receive the call they are in mode where they are like checking okay should i you know what should i do should i keep listening or am i trying to actually get rid of this person and when you understand that they are very often okay how can i get rid of that person but you can stop them thinking that that's like a really good step i give you an example i was yesterday working to a market and so it's very interesting because there was this like uh, not door to door but people who kind of stopped you to sell you whatever crap and so they go and ask you a question and so it's very nice it's very interesting because what you see is it works really the results are really different based on the context so, when people are just like focused, they want to go somewhere, do their stuff, they often ignore that. But when you're really in the mood where you're just like enjoying, you know, walking around, it's sunny around there, there's like nice products or whatever, someone asks you a question, you're open and you hear the question. And then you're like having the conversation and then they try and say oh. something. So, I think the context is super important. So, I think that that's, uh, you know, understanding that a lot of people will not be in the right context, but some will. And that's really doubling down on this, I think, is, is an important thing there. That's awesome. Yeah. So Ayushama asked if you join a new company who is also at zero one stage, already have an AE and SDR in place, how to suggest working with them? Uh, well, the 30-60-90 plan discussed was great, but at the same time, how can, as a new manager, while you are figuring things out, can you make the existing folk productive at the same time from week one? Okay, that's a long question. For, so basically, from my understanding, is you know how do you make sure people are productive as fast as possible?
1: Yeah, and this was actually the situation I was in. I already had an SDR when I joined who started at the beginning of this year. So they were around for three months before I joined. And we had like a AE who was helping out her main bone.
0: Mm-hmm. And so,
1: I mean, the first thing I did is say, what have you like when I met with my my SDR to Sanka asked her, like, well, what, what, uh, what have you been working on, um, and try to figure out where she was at. And uh, what I found was that, you know, and this is to no fault of hers. But you know, she was working on an ICP that wasn't necessarily the people we wanted to work on. Mm-hmm. So I just basically had her help me in doubling down on everything I was doing. So when I initially came up with that hypothesis of like ICP people, I wanted to go after, I said, all right, here, here, Marissa, like go after these people and let's see what happens. Um, and, and she helped me kind of extend my efforts in terms of testing the messaging. So it just kind of helped test the messaging faster, if that makes sense. But you also have to understand if you're brand new and the Alpine team is brand new, You can't put crazy expectations on them in terms of quota which is what i didn't put crazy expectations on her for the first three months i said hey you and me are going to test this we're going to learn a lot um after three or four months we're going to have a legit quota in place um obviously i want you to try to be as productive as possible but we don't know what a good quota is yet so you have to set that expectation first as well and then uh your ae as well they have to be in the same mindset um but at the same time the 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 second thing that was really important that i did with my ae and sdr is i You're going to be having a lot of cold calls, emails, or demos that I'm not listening to. I need you to communicate as much as possible. Like, hey, these people aren't working out. Here's what I'm hearing. And I have them have that same mindset as me is like document, document, document. And I just had them thinking like as if they were a manager as well. So that's kind of the mindset I tried to approach with with
0: them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's you know setting expectation again is very important outbound is not something that is uh, overly simple you you know you need to experiment stuff try different things so i think that's that's really important um jed if people want to reach out to you m- learn more about you where can they where can they find more about you
1: yeah jump on uh, linkedin hit me up on linkedin i have a newsletter where i share uh practical prospecting tips Oh, we have a little over six thousand subscribers now so it's it's getting big but feel free to, to reach out there and sign up for the newsletter and i appreciate you having me on
0: yeah no that was look
1: yourself tolstoy
0: yeah thanks thanks tolstoy for you know sponsoring the show um jed thanks for coming that was really insightful and we learned a new concept the tinder effect which i'm going to be talking about so that's pretty cool
1: oh <laughs> yeah yeah awesome thanks for everyone for listening
0: thank you man have a good day and talk soon Thanks for listening to that episode. If you like what you hear and you want to explore more, I invite you to join the Selling Advantage community. It's a paid community we're running with Skip Miller, where you're gonna get access to a content library with training, checklist, and exclusive resources. You'll also get access to our experimentation swipe file and a Discord group with 150 tech sales people. We also have online events where we invite special guests, a regular Ask Us Anything, and our content is focused on sales for North America and EMEA. If you want to check it out, go to sellingadvantage.io or click on the link in the show notes and you'll be able to sign up.